Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the clock. I know why you're happy. I don't know why you're happy. I know why I'm happy, because Kim Jong-un of North Korea yesterday told South Korea that he is willing to meet with the leader of the United States. But Putin wasn't available, so Trump's going. (laughs) Trump is going. Fat man and little boy are gonna have a date. It looks like Trump is gonna travel to North Korea in May, and of course there are reasons, a hundred reasons, why this is dangerous. We're talking about, after all, a family that has reneged on every deal they ever signed. (laughs) And Kim Jong-un can't be trusted either. (laughs) Uh, But you know what? I was watching all the cable news last night, and so all these liberals who are reflexively hating on this, A, Obama, Remember him? Proposed the exact same thing in 2008, and they loved it. And B, you know, fuck you. You don't live on the West Coast, where a nuke can get here faster than an Uber from North Korea. (laughs) I mean, what is this bullshit? No president has ever done this. Yeah, and they all failed. So I'm gonna file this one under, so crazy it just might work. (laughs) This could be the one thing that Trump honestly, is uniquely qualified to pull off, because Kim and him, Rocket Man and Rain Man... (laughs) ..are mirror images. In a weird way, they respect and like each other. You know, Trump said he's a smart cookie. They have the same interests. Flattery, celebrity, tyranny. They both have daddy issues and overeating issues and problematic family members and inexplicable hair. (laughs) They both love missile parades and they both lie on their golf scores and one day you see staff members working for them and the next day they disappear. Who is the one American that Kim likes? Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Well, Trump is the closest thing we're gonna get to President Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Another stupid argument I heard on TV last night. Well, we'll just be giving Kim the respect he and his family have always craved. So what? So what if it works? My old pot dealer used to hang out with me because I'm a celebrity. I still got free weed. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? If if you hate Trump so much, I do, this may not even be happening because of Donald Trump. It could be his tough talk. It could be because of the sanctions. Could have been because of the Olympics. Who knows what is in Kim Jong-un's mind? It could be because Shape of Water won Best Picture. (laughs) And he saw that and thought, well, if you can fuck a fish, you can negotiate with a whale. (laughs) 
<laughs> but, hey, North Korea is not the only place Trump will be traveling to. Next week, he's coming here to California. Isn't that great? He, he didn't want to, but this is where the porn stars are. Oh, you've been following that. We now have a full-on sex scandal in the White House. Stormy Daniels is now suing him. That was the development this week. On Monday, she filed a lawsuit. Now, if you forgot who she is, Stormy Daniels, if you recall... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the man who got 80% of the evangelical vote for president in 2016 and the star of Toxic Cum Load 6... met at the at a golf tournament in 2006 after which she was paid to shut up about it but Sarah Huckabee Sanders this week really fucked up and she said in the press briefing that Trump won an arbitration case with her a lie that contradicted her original lie that Trump had nothing to do with Stormy Daniels. So now it's just a he said, she said. Stormy says they had an affair, and Trump says they didn't. But who are you going to believe, the fake blonde with big tits or Stormy Daniels? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't wait to do that one. I must say... But here's the thing. Stormy Daniels not suing for money. She is suing for the right to talk about the fat, disgusting Trump sex that she had. (laughs) She wants to get out of the non-disclosure agreement she signed, and Trump's lawyers this week said they want to issue a gag order, and she said that cost extra. (laughs) So, uh, but... (laughs) But here's why... (laughs) Here's why she has a case, because in the settlement papers... First of all, in the settlement papers, Trump goes by an alias, an alias, David Dennison. <laughs> David Dennison, because Dirk Diggler was too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> but those settle- the settlement might be invalid because Trump, I mean Dirk Diggler, <laughs> forgot to sign it. This happens a lot to a stable genius. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, Trump, he's always going on about other countries are laughing at us. Oh, and now? Really? Not even because the president fucks porn stars, but because she has a better lawyer. (laughs) Trump. Donald Trump managed to find the one woman in America to have sex with him who then wanted to talk about it. Usually, when he has sex with someone, he says, don't tell anyone, and they're like, not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But the best part is that the documents say that Stormy Daniels has, quote, certain still images, which to me sounds like dick pics, right? (laughs) What, What else can still images that he doesn't want out there? And you can tell it's Trump's dick in the picture because, well, two reasons. First, there's a big sign on top of it, Trump penis. (laughs) And also, it's in Sean Hannity's mouth. Anyway, we got a great show. We got a great show. Anna Navarro, Eric Erickson, and Trey Crowder are here. In a little letter, we're speaking with Barry Weiss of the New York Times. And first up, she is a Grammy winner and a two-time Emmy-winning comedian and an actress who holds the Guinness record for most comedy specials by a woman 
More importantly, she is a good American who loves her country and should be able to work in it. Kathy Griffin. short. Yes. We're all shaving our heads now, the pissed off women. We're yeah. angry, we're shaving our heads. Just for fun, to scare you guys. Bill, first of all, I really want to thank you for being one of the first and only people to publicly support me and say what happened was bullshit. It was bullshit. Yeah. Publicly. Well, yes. Because uh, I got texts from some from celebrities that were like, um, don't tell anybody I sent you this text, but <laughs> I support you all the way. I love you. Jerry Seinfeld. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, oh, I'm kidding. God. I'm kidding. <laughs> as if, by the way, as if we have each other's numbers, me and Jerry Seinfeld. But go right, ahead. Exactly. I happen to know they don't. Um, <laughs> well, we've missed you. You know, I mean, if, if the, it's true. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and, and you know, one thing nobody could ever take away from you, you are a hard worker. I love it, man. You, I love it. You got where you are through hard work. You joke by joke. One you... dick joke at a time, baby. <laughs> I never had a writer. I never had a studio. I never had a manager. Just out grinding it out. And right. that's what I love doing. So for you to have it all taken away, Overnight. Really, it just really pissed me off more than anything. Because, I mean, look, you took a picture. You took a very bad selfie. <laughs> I blame the photographer. I've been on these photo shoots, and they're always trying to do something provocative. Right. So they said, hey, why don't you put The wacky picture. The wacky picture, and it turned out to be a little too wacky. It was quite wacky. Okay, it was very wacky. And, uh, but, you know, if this wasn't the United States of Babies, you know, you would, the first thing you said was, look, I went too far, <laughs> I get it. It should have been over. Okay, right. there, she gets it, fine. But, of course, everybody has to go batshit nuts about everything all oh, yeah. the time. Yeah. And Actually, the selfie analogy is really good because almost like, imagine if you took the, you had the worst selfie in the world, you went to bed and you woke up and you found out that the president tweeted about it, which then mobilized <laughs> the alt-right, Fox right. News, everybody else, and then, you well, know, they also, also thought it was illegal, which right, distasteful, I mean, but not illegal, covered by the First Amendment. No, I went through. So, uh, I, While we still have one. While we still have one. I mean, I went through something like this. Yours is worse because you were actually interrogated. You were detained. Two months federal investigation by two um, departments from the DOJ, the Department of Justice. Right. I mean, after 9-11, I, I, had, I had this on my wall for a while, the Variety headline that says, yeah. you know, White House keeps heat on ABC's I Mar. remember very well. Yeah, okay. So, and it was bad. Ari Fleischer was talking about me in the press conference every day. But you had it far worse because you literally had your livelihood taken away from you. Yeah. My show kept going. Uh, we, our ratings never dropped. I, was I, I even had my, um, I was on, in the middle of a 50-city tour. And I had like 25 dates up until the following fe February because this happened on May 30th. TMZ was reporting my show cancellations in real time which scared, I think, the theaters. So right. these theaters, which I don't blame, because all of a sudden, you know, normally they do, like, right. Stomp or Mamma Mia, and all of a sudden they're getting robocalls from, like, right. a bot farm in Macedonia going, if I see that bitch on stage, I'm going to cut her in the cunt, chop her head off, and put her head up her cunt. That was, no joke, that was the number one reason that the um, folks who are angry want to kill me. That's the number one procedure they want to do. Moving on. Um... <laughs> 
Yeah, it was it was ugly, and and yeah. I mean, but it, it really got out of hand, I think, when mm -hmm. when the official security apparatus of the United States of America, which you'd think would have something better to do, and mm -hmm. I am sure knew better that than you were somehow a threat to the president, well, the interrogated you. You, yeah. you, I mean, flying is still a problem for you. Is yeah, it not? I, I, I mean, you were on the D list, now you're on the no fly list. <laughs> The D-list is much better. D-list uh, yeah, is much better. Yeah, way better. Um, yeah, I'm on the Interpol list, and so when I couldn't get work here after that... The Interpol? Yeah. For international criminals? Yeah. So yeah. I did um, an overseas tour. I did 15 countries in 23 cities, wow. and I was detained at every single airport. Which is frightening because they see they scan your passport. They see you know. And th by the way, this is really scary when you're at the Singapore airport and you see the person go like this. And then there's like whispering, and then they put me in like a detention room, and you don't know how long it's going to take. And I'm thinking, you know, I got to, excuse me, I have an eight o'clock show. I got to make soccer moms and gay guys laugh. You know, right. Let's, let's go. But, but in, all serious, in all seriousness, there were times when they took my devices. They can do that. And you might think, you know, we all have our rights, but when you're in that moment, you're really at the mercy of one or two people in that room. So it happened, it happened at LAX, it happened at London Heathrow. Um, and it's scary every time because you don't quite know what it is. So if you had to do it all over again, I mean, assume you wouldn't take the picture. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I'd do Mike Pence. No, I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Ten months I waited to do that joke. Ten yeah, months. Okay. Um, but would you do anything over uh, the way you, it was the aftermath of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about the aftermath was, you know, it, it truly is a historic situation. So one of the things I like doing about touring is, as you know, you're on stage and you can really tell your story without censorship and stuff. So the current show I'm doing actually does have like a couple serious moments in it, because when I described the interrogation, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, like I said, I've just done 23 cities in 15 countries. And the intensity of those moments when my First Amendment attorney said to me, you know, if this doesn't go well, you'll, you'll leave here in handcuffs. And the DOJ called my attorneys every single day for two months. Did you come in yet? Did you come in yet? They, every day they called and said, we can do a, um, it's called a no-knock, which is what they did to Paul Manafort. Sure. Yeah. No-knock, come in. Wow. You know, and I'd be like, fine, come on in. We can take my Backstreet Boys CDs. You know, so it was crazy, but that's how crazy it was. So I was determined to not do like a perp walk. So it cost me a lot of money, of course, but at least we were able to negotiate the interrogation happening in my attorney's office. But, you know, just being told you, you could leave in cuffs. Yeah. That, you know, that's... and it came straight from the DOJ and the White House. So, uh... And that's the, that's the administration that we have now. So that's what I am here to talk about, is I really believe that it happened to me, and I really believe it could happen to you and other people or people's kids or relatives. It could happen. It's gotten crazy. Well, I, I mean, we're not going <laughs> to hopefully take that picture. But I do believe wh what you're saying in general is correct. Everything that was unthinkable two mm -hmm. years ago is thinkable now. Dictatorship, fascism, mm -hmm. all those kind of things. Uh, so I, I don't think any nuclear war, nothing yeah. is off the table. Correct. Okay, so do you think... So, I know some friendships were casualties in this. I'm down to three gay guys. <laughs> and you. And you. So, <laughs> but I hear you're fluid. I hear you're fluid. Which is very trendy. Very trendy, Bill. Very hot. Sells tickets. Uh, I'm just going to play straight man today. I, I, so, uh, oh, and but, I, got, but, I got canned from CNN 
which sucked because I was never a yeah. CNN employee. I only worked right. there one night a week. But they made like this sweeping statement, and well, I was going to say, do you Don think... Jr. was like, of all people, like Don Jr., that freaking Cro-Mag, like right. barely human, whatever his deal is. Right. He goes on like Good Morning America <laughs> and says, "We don't just want to ruin Kathy Griffin's career; we want to decimate her." And that was like months after the photo. So, so but do you do you think I'm not decimated? Right. No, you're not. You look very strong. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, we need comedians. I mean, I know that sounds like a pat on the back because I'm one of them, but, uh, but we really do, especially yeah. in this era and in any era, to, to sometimes go over the line yes. so we know where the lines are of and course. also to establish that we do live in a country with free speech. That was as distasteful as it might have been to a lot of people. It was free speech. Yes. And free speech is still kind of important. And It's I'd like important. To and also it. the alt-right has kind of co-opted it. Like, right. you know... A speech at Berkeley and somebody knocks over a garbage can, sets it on fire, and if it's an alt-right person, they'll say that's free speech. But they kind of co-opted that. But, you know, you and I do the kind of comedy that pushes boundaries. And then to do that, you have to move them and then cross them and push them again and see what works. And I'm finding, like, I know you're on the road as well, I'm finding that people are wanting that kind of comedy. Oh, We're in such an intense time. So thirsty, People don't yes. want dog and cat jokes. No, you know? they, so, I mean, they definitely... They want I the do, real deal. And they want to be very mean to Donald Trump. And I can do that, I can do that. You can do that too. So, I'm, I, I'm, de I'm definitely trying. I do have, by the way, I have a small victorious announcement. Small. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm dipping my toes into touring again, even though the Trumps and nobody wants me to work again. But I'm dipping my toes in, and um, I just booked today. I'm going to do a show at Carnegie Hall in New York. And I've heard of it. And I'm also, I'm also going to go right to Trump's backyard and do a show at the Kennedy Center. All right, Kathy Griffin, triumphant. Thank you, baby. You did great. All right. Go out, yeah. Go out and see her on her tour. She's as funny as ever, right? It's mostly funny. Mostly funny. Always funny. All right. Thank you. Let's meet our panel. He's a conservative radio show host, founder of TheResurgent.com, and author of Before You Wake, Life Lessons from a Father to His Children. Eric Erickson's back with us. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Good, how are you? Okay, she's a GOP strategist and political contributor to CNN. Ana Navarro always makes me laugh. And he's a stand-up comedian who'll be at the Pantages Theater in Minneapolis March 17th in the Fargo, in Fargo on March 18th. Trey Crowder. Hey, Trey. Okay, so were you listening to the monologue or do you watch something else while I'm on? Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a lot of people weren't thinking that is what I was going to say about Trump and North Korea because, you know, we live in this tribal world where everything has to be either the blue team or the red team. And look, this deal may blow up <laughs> before we finish talking about it right now. Right. Uh, but uh, I just, I just want to read Obama's quote from 2008 and just remind people where he was, because he was asked in a debate if he would meet with the leaders of Iran, Syria, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, without preconditions. And he said, I would. And the reason is this, that the notion that somehow not talking to countries is punishment to them, which has been the guiding diplomatic principle of this administration, meaning the Bush administration, is ridiculous. 
and Hillary cackled, and the State Department tut-tutted, and everybody said bad, but the base loved it, and he won the primary, and he may have helped him win the general election. And if it was good enough for him, I think it's good enough now. I think there's one key difference there, uh, and they're very keen <laughs> on reminding us of this. Yeah. Donald Trump is not Barack Obama, though. You know, like, I, well, I, I'm, I'm with it, you on give it a chance, it's better than the alternative, and I'm all for diplomacy, but, I mean, still, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have a lot of inspired confidence in this working out, you know? I mean, to me, watching these two guys debate on what to do about the nuclear situation in North Korea is like watching two hammered, drunk bricklayers debate about what to do with a brain tumor, you know? Like, I... <laughs> Enthusiasm, but, but, but we're already at the worst place it could be. They, I mean, I was in Hawaii just a few days before that alert came over this year. Oh, wow. And I have friends there who said, of course we were shitting in our pants. It came over in our phones. Well, the missile is in the air. This is how real this is right now. Absolutely. Look, I, I, uh, I remember when Barack Obama said that. I was against it. I was against him uh, giving concessions to the dictator in Cuba. I thought that was not a good idea. To me, this is different because this guy's got nukes. There is a sense of urgency now. And I live in the East Coast. I live in Miami. You're going a lot faster than I am. But, you know, I think there is a sense of urgency that, that makes it, uh, you know, let's explore whatever solution there is. That being said, the idea of Donald Trump negotiating uh, with, you know, Kim is like, what are they going to do? Put their buttons on the table and see who's got the bigger button? But, you yes, know, but probably. But, you know, that's the bluster part of it. You know, it's not unprecedented in, in the history of diplomacy for the peace breakthrough to come after the two guys have their whose dick is longer shouting match at each other. We, we've had three consecutive administrations that every time North Korea saber-rattled, we paid them money, we gave them food. And now we've got a president through, I mean, you can say it's incompetence or something different, what have you. He said, not going to do it this time. And suddenly they want to come have a face-to-face meeting. Give it to him. I mean, God, I started to say, what's the worst that could happen? We know what the yeah. worst that could happen is, but, Pretty bad. but let's try something but different. But the worst has already yes. happened, except for the bomb actually exploding. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when we talk about mass shootings and somebody says, uh, it's a liberal talking point, and I'm certainly not for arming people, but they say, but if somebody else was in that room with a gun, it would have made it even worse. Really? Right. Really, it could have gotten worse than just the guy who's a nut spraying the room? It can't get any worse. Except for being annihilated. Well, so you think, you think Trump could bring the nuclear war on by going there? Not, that's not going to happen. Look, if no, he's going to bring it on, it's going to be through he's Twitter. Got, you know, he's, yeah. he doesn't understand diplomacy. I agree with you. He doesn't understand math or spelling or science. Right. But he does understand schmoozing. And yeah. there is something about these two guys, I think, that is very simpatico. They, they should right, go, go in not... there, have a Yo Mama contest. You know, right. Yo Mama is so ugly. And yeah. just, you know, go at each other at, with know, insults. But I also, yeah. look, I, I agree with you because... I think past the insult phase. I this entire thing has been different. going in crescendo, you know, with North Korea. It's gotten worse, increasingly exactly. worse, and so there is a sense of, of what more and could also, happen. you yes. know what, maybe, like, that Kim, he's, what, 32, 33? He's been in office five or six years. He's done a lot of bad things. We saw him assassinate his family members right. and so forth. Well, it's a, it's a rough gig over there, I'm guessing, when <laughs> yeah. you take over. And, you and he, he's a ruthless dictator. He, he learned it from his father. You've got to eliminate the competition mm -hmm. first. Trump's a businessman. He would think the same way. <laughs> Maybe he did that, and now he's ready for something new. 
He's going to be in office another 50 years. He can see that map. You know that map they show at night of the two Koreas? Yes. South Korea ablaze with electricity, North Korea completely dark. His people are in the dark about that. He has seen that. And he's probably thinking, hey, it might be fun to join the world, yeah, you have know, lights on. I, you know what? <laughs> Crazy can I tell you like something that. before we forget? Puerto Rico thinks the same. It would be oh, nice to have their oh, lights on. Yeah. yeah. We've done things right. the same way for so long. We've gotten nothing. We, they've gotten closer and closer and closer yeah. to a bomb with American experts saying they're not going to get a bomb. It is time to do something different. Well, yeah. not for nothing, but and, I'll be stunned if it actually even happens. Yes. Like he's already I, walking I back some. Yeah. I mean. But, you know, never underestimate how important respect is to people. You know, I, just the idea of, of him getting this meeting could calm things down a lot. Sometimes that's all they want, is to be treated like an equal, like, oh, wow, we went to a meeting with the United States, and now we can all breathe a little. And I will tell you, uh, it's not only Kim who wants respect, it's Trump who wants respect. And, you know, he listens to the media, and I think that if he sees people yes, giving he, him affirmative wants a parade, encouragement, right. giving, you know... Kim likes porn stars. Hmm? <laughs> right. Yeah. Bring Stormy Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> big hit. Okay, so let's talk about the other war, the trade war that Trump started. Um, this is pretty crazy. Uh, first of all, answer me this, panel. Somebody answer this for me. Donald Trump went to Wharton, right? Always, the, I'm the smartest. Blah, blah. He does not seem to understand what a trade deficit is. He talks about it like we give them money and they give us nothing. That's not a trade deficit. That's Trump University. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, he doesn't get the idea. He, he, come on. He, this has got to be an act. Right? He is, must understand that we get something back. It, you know, for all of the Donald Trump on the campaign trail bashing liberals and, and liberal academics, he's being led by Peter Navarro, a, a fringe liberal no, academic. No relation. Who, yeah, no, no relation. <laughs> and he's being basically, I guess his dad liked Peter Navarro. Peter right. Navarro was a, a university academic at, I believe, University of California at Irvine. He's written Ooh, a number of pa papers on China, none of them in major He was a Democrat candidate. Yeah, he was a Democratic <laughs> candidate repeatedly, very liberal, uh, wanted to ban the incandescent light bulb. Uh, Donald Trump bought into his China rhetoric and brought him on board for uh, tariffs. Um, there is not a liberal or conservative economist alive or in the past hundred years who thought they were a good idea, but this guy apparently knows the buttons to push with the president. But you know, as with everything, he made this big pronouncement and now we see him doing caveats and conditions Walking and back. pulling back. It's, you know, it is the, con the only consistent thing about Donald Trump is his inconsistency. We saw him do it with immigration. We saw him do it with uh, guns. We saw him do it with okay. barring gays from the military. The guy, you know, can hold more positions than the Kama Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'm going to gouge my eyes out now. <laughs> No, everybody I, came with their jokes tonight, huh? I don't. I know, right? I thought I'd have a shot at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that. I don't think he understands it either. But I do think he understands he that his base also doesn't understand it really. You know what I mean? The tariffs and everything. He knows they're going to see. Yeah, him. but I'll tell you what he does I, I, understand is the do. lowering they're of gonna, the stock market. Well, you know that went down. But, but tell me this: why, why is this fringe economics, but not trickle down? Why is his tax cut 
in, in prosperous times. There's, there's almost no economists who think that that's a good idea. Oh, I would disagree with you on that. I, I think there's definitely a liberal conservative divide on economics. But oh, it's I, hardly an equal divide. You can always find a few nuts anywhere. Listen. But it, there is very few people who... I, think, I mean, the University of Chicago is a prominent economic school that pushed Ronald Reagan back in the 1980s on the idea of supply. Yeah, and they have economics. a panel now with like 42 economists who all said this was a bad idea. Well, the yes, tax you can. do. But, I mean, you have a bunch <laughs> okay. of liberal economists who say that. You got a bunch of have walked into that one, Eric. <laughs> this is, you know, it, this isn't a situation like tariffs. There, there actually is an academic divide on this. With tariffs, it's like the no. anti-vaccine crowd, where you have that doctor saying, don't give kids vaccines. That's tariffs. There's actually a pretty academic, rigorous uh, group of conservative econom economists who support supply-side economics. Okay, I have well, a question. No. Like I, so, no. growing up poor my whole life, when is it going to start trickling down like that? Yeah. I don't understand. I, Listen, like, how much longer does it have to go? I, also, I bet there are a lot of people just, out here who have gotten thousand I mean, dollar tax. Eric, you know, they, they just tried trickle down economics again in Kansas. It was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, they have tried this experiment. I don't know why they keep trying because we already have the results. But whenever they do this, you cut taxes somehow to this magical point and then unicorns fly out of my butt but, and but revenues... When Ronald Reagan cut when you, taxes in 1981, when George Bush cut taxes in, in 2001, we saw an increase in revenue. The problem is the spending side of Republicans who say they want to cut government and they never actually do. If they well, actually did reciprocal cuts, you would actually see an increase in income in government. That's because Republicans used to be anti-spending. They also used well, they to be used to against adulterer precedents. Yes, they did. <laughs> we'll get to that. I can see it's in your craw. <laughs> When it comes to stimulating the economy, I mean, you give more money to rich people, they buy, like, oil futures and shit, you know? But right. you give, but you give more we, money to poor people, they buy eggs a and, like, goods and services. Like, I mean, I just think that if you're going to give tax cuts, you give them to people who pay taxes. Listen, this is a, a you know, for the last... For the last, what, three months since the tax cut passed, we have seen very good headlines come out of, of this tax cut. We have seen good numbers. We have seen good job numbers. It's an experiment, and we're going to see what... The, the short term is looking good, and it's helping Trump. We've got to see what the long term is going to be. It's going to be an experiment. Either Republicans were right or we were wrong. Unfortunately, he's going to screw something up, so... <laughs> Okay, well, people keep... I mean, his, his Gary Cohn, his uh, economics advisor, left over the tariffs. I mean, the White House, people are leaving this White House. Can you I mean, imagine the fact, though, that this guy, who apparently, you know, who everybody reported and said that he thought of leaving over the response to Charlottesville, over Trump equating neo-Nazis to those protesting against him, found his moral compass over tariffs. At least he finally found it. Right, yeah. One of well, the few administration officials to quit over something uh, uh, on principle. People are, people, I mean, people have not fled the White House this much since the British were burning it in 1840. <laughs> so what happened is they're going to put up some motivational posters. You know these motivational posters? <laughs> we have some here, uh, like, you know, people put these up in their office. Teamwork, great things are done by a series of small things done together. And, you know, it gets morale up at their office. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. So, uh, would you like to see some of the ones they're putting up at the White House? Because these are, these are a little different. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, they have ones like, it's been 16 days since our last indictment. <laughs> You miss 100% of the pussies you don't grab. <laughs> Hope, she doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> Teamwork, a better word for collusion. 
Character. Always stay in it. Yeah. <laughs> Integrity. When in doubt, just chant, lock her up. <laughs> Sacrifice. There's no I in treason. <laughs> Dream big. Ask the ugly married guys who dated Hope Hicks. And believe, at the end of this shit show, there's got to be at least a book deal. All right, let's bring out Barry. She is a staff editor and writer for the opinion section of the New York Times. Barry Weiss is back with us. Hey, you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Weren't you just here? Yeah, I was just here. <laughs> you must have done so good. You came back so quickly. Uh, but you did do it. Everybody loved you. And also, you're sort of on my side about a lot of issues. And by this point of the show, I'm so argued out. i got to have someone who agrees with me. So please, okay, I'll pick up the flag. No, but I know. We're, we're both sort of fighting the outrage machine, you know, the, the professional outrage people. And let's just first get out your... Because I saw you got into some hot water for nothing. I've gotten in a bunch of hot water recently. Okay, but so. the, the, the immigration... It's gotten to the point where, like, I don't even know what the fuck they're mad at anymore. I used to at least go, okay, I get it. I understand. It's ridiculous. But I get now. I don't even understand what they're mad at. The tweet was what you the you were watching the a, Olympics. Mariah Nagasu, a uh, person born in California, her parents are Japanese immigrants, okay. landed a historic triple axel at the oh, Olympics. Right. Yes. I tweeted out a video along with a lyric from Hamilton that said, "Immigrants, they get the job done." Now the actual lyric is, "We." I got the lyric wrong. How dare you! And I was jumped upon. Now, here's the thing. Oh, Anyone, I despise I, xenophobia. I despise. Anyone who reads my work yes, knows it's, that it's, I love immigrants. This, and the idea that... This, it, no, hold on. The idea that I <laughs> would in any way contribute to a culture of hostility towards minorities and immigrants is horrible to me. And I feel awful that anyone heard it that way. What, what, is, what, is, what is your estimation of why there is this fringe on the left that attacks people like you and me, who they must know are not racist? Well, is it just lazy that it's just too hard to attack the real villains? I think that... A, so I, you, you fight I, battles way behind I enemy think, lines? I think, A, it's the narcissism of small differences. Anyone that departs from mm. woke orthodoxy gets a lot more heat, in my right. opinion, than people on the actual right. I also think that offense-taking is being weaponized. It is a route now to political power. Wow. Saying that I am offended is a right. way of making someone radioactive. It's a way of smearing their reputation, of making them a liability. Because once you tar someone as a racist or a misogynist or a fascist or whatever the word of right. the day is, um, you know, it's a way of sort of taking them down a peg. And I'm really concerned not about, you know, people that have a public platform like me or like you, but the downstream effects of these smearings. Because here's what happens if you're someone who wants to get into the public square and wants to say something provocative and peep your head out over the parapet. You are not going to do that. You are going to hesitate from doing that if you know that there's a mob awaiting you. And you see what happens you know, to very, very prominent people for, for saying sort of the smallest things. It, yeah, Matt Damon. Can I Damon. say one more thing? Yeah, yeah no, Matt please. Damon. I mean, so, you know, just husbanditis, I call it. So, just, I, I'm just shutting up. Well, <laughs> I really, I've been revisiting the, the Philip Roth book, The Human Stain. Okay, The Human Stain, two sentences on it. It's about a classicist at a small liberal arts school who uses the word spooks, meaning ghosts. He means it literally. Right. It's taken as a racist slur. And what happens to him is personal ruin. Now, the irony of this is he himself is a light-skinned black man who's passing as a Jew. I'm reminded of this because we sort of live in the age of the digital stain. 
What people are trying mm. to do is to take even the most well-intentioned and anodyne comment, intentionally torque it, and then throw it out through the echo chamber of social media in order to ruin people's reputations. And I think it's very strange that we're, we're the most privileged people in human history, objectively, and yet people are spending all of their time on Earth hurling pixels at one another. I find right. it a very, very strange use of people's time. Well, it, I, I mean, it's so well said, all of it. And I also think people are schizophrenic. They're the real people who talk in private with their friends and how they conduct themselves in a setting yeah. that's not... And then there's, like, the, because everybody's on social media, that's, like, their avatar. And that person is super politically correct right. about everything. It's like everybody has their own publicist. Right. Who's them on social media? And and it's making also, us crazy. But also, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Also, in real life, people are civilized. Right. People say, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I right. have misunderstanding." Right. But on social media, they're acting like torquemadas. I mean, it's right. bizarre. It, you know, it is. We, we should also not lose sight of the fact of how much the Russians have been influencing and involving themselves in social media fights on both sides yes. to sow discord in America. I don't know how much of, the, of those attacks that go against you or against you or against me okay. are actual people and how many are bots? Well, most of it is actual people. Yeah. That is an issue, these but we're... These are prominent people are, at publications, yes. you know, that, that you and I read and, you know, respectable publications. And, you know, you know, rather than talking about, I don't know, it's... I find it amazing that there are feminist websites that are dedicated to attacking people as being insufficiently feminist, rather than, I don't know, talking about gender apartheid in Saudi Arabia or Iran. Right. It is a real perversion I, of priorities. Oh, you're talking to the right guy there, because <laughs> I've certainly taken my lumps to make that point. It's uh, true. It is true. Of course it's true. They're in jail in Iran for taking off their hijabs yes. right now. No one is talking about that in the leftist media. Why is that? That's a question we should be asking. Well, I've, I've talked about it here many times, and we'll come back. You have to come back uh, soon, and we'll talk Done. about just that. But let me let me ask about the movies because sure. you, you you watched the Oscars. I did. Okay, um, I didn't see it. I was okay. In Florida working, uh, but you know it, what I heard was that nobody wanted to say anything. That you can't talk anymore. Well, you can talk about intersectionality or about how the ideal man doesn't have a dick, which was the Jimmy Kimmel joke. I mean, I don't think that that appeals to most Americans, and I no. think that there's a the reason... No, the dick is still popular. The dick is still very popular. <laughs> I have popular. done an informal Some of call. Us still enjoy it. Exactly. Um, it is still, it's done many bad things, but it is still popular. But, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that... Look, I think that there is an incredibly important role for culture and for artists and for movie makers to move the culture in amazing ways. Ellen changed the, changed the culture. Right. Will and Grace changed the culture. Get out this year. Call me by your name. I do believe that art has a really important and crucial role to play in cultural progress. But I don't think that people are tuning into award shows to be hectored to. No. By celebrities. And I also hate it that if you don't like Black Panther or Wonder Woman, neither of which I've seen, but if you don't like them, you're a bad person. Well, yes, and, and the amazing... And that's just fucking but, bullshit. But there's also... You know what? That just got to end. There's no bottom to it. Black Panther is now getting torn apart because apparently there was a lesbian plot line in an earlier iteration of the movie. Oh, but they took it out. No. Now it's a homophobic movie. Oh, my or God. Or Emma Stone. Emma Stone... Emma Stone tried to... 
you know, be woke and say the right thing. She introduced the category for best director, and she introduced it as four men and Greta Gerwig. Well, she got torn apart as a white feminist, which is now an insult, because she didn't mention Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro were also in that category. It's like okay. being angry at someone so for complimenting what... the sunrise and saying, why aren't you talking about the sunset, too? They're I mean, it's, cra it's nuts. People so are always what, yeah. looking for something to be mad about or offended by, even if they like you. You know, like, they can agree with you on 95% of everything you say, and that 5%... But what do, the, what do the that. people in the part of the country that sounds like you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Think. <laughs> think about all. Yes, and you, you're red state too. What do they think about this insanity? I, you mean the movie where the lady porks the fish feller yeah. or whatever? How that goes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that they probably too, think yes. it's a little weird. Yeah. Well, that's true too. I mean, the, the, oh. the movies are not what America is watching. I mean, I, I feel a little distant from what the, what the movie winners are lately. I, I haven't seen the fish fucking movie either. I mean, <laughs> no. I, look, I, I I think I'm gonna hate it, but I might I might love you it. Might love it. I might love it. I think I'll hate it, but I might love it. Actually, so I'm, I'm watched it. I watched it a little slow. I can't it's remember the last slow. time I saw a, a best movie winner for the Oscar. Right. I, I go to the movies all the time. I take my kids to the movies, but it, it's like what Hollywood thinks are the greatest movies. They're not what my family goes to see. I mean, for God's sakes, The Dark Knight should have gotten the best best picture back when, and that led to the initial controversy. They've been talking about it ever since, and they keep getting even more esoteric in the movies. But look, on, on a serious note, I, I do think that the, the country is in a state of hypersensitivity because, because of what's coming from Donald Trump. Because no. of what... His, it, yes, it, yes, it, yes. He is it's, constantly... It's no, I'm sorry, it. guys. I'll tell you it, this. This didn't start he, with Donald Trump. No, it didn't Trump, start with Trump, but he's made it worse. No, he, he is he's constant, made everything worse. He's constantly <laughs> you know attacking what? Latinos, but, but, attacking but, immigrants, yes, but attacking you know African-Americans. People are feeling you, under attack and are up in you, arms. You have it backwards. The, the country was so politically... You know what I'm going to say. Yes. It was so politically correct that he was the antidote for, he for a lot of like people. He tells it like it is. Yeah, he tells it like it is. He's yeah. not... Well, the cure's like better. He's not politically and, correct. And That's you don't what, think he's made it worse? You don't of course think he's made it made, worse. He's Donald Trump. You don't think he's made people hypersensitive? Yeah, of course. But the way to fight Donald Trump is not by imitating Donald Trump. There you're right. You see a hair trigger waiting to be offended. It's not to have thin skin. It's not to further divide and divide and divide the left. We should be meeting Donald Trump's illiberalism with liberalism, not right. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, well, I think we need see? to confront Donald Trump with purpose. Instead of people saying that you're a xenophobe or an anti-immigrant, this week okay, they should have been focused on the fact that the DACA about deadline Trump. Look, it's passed. Donald Trump is the comment section of the internet come to life in the White House. And right. just as you're not yes. supposed to read the comment section, I think the media spends way too much time parsing every little idiot thing he says on Twitter. Right. You should ignore that stuff and focus on the big picture. But he's president of the United States. That's yes. very hard to do. Okay. Yes, he is but, president but, of the okay. United States. But again... I mean, so let's man, talk about the bigger issue big with Donald Trump. Stormy Daniels, how about <laughs> yeah. that? No, I mean, it sounds facetious, but uh, honestly, I think this could, in a weird way, be the thing that I brings agree. him down. Because yeah. this is... Why do you think that? Well, I, I mean, well, look at what brought... Clinton to impeachment, first right. of all. But second of all, my colleague Michelle Goldberg had a great column about this where she explained this is not a sex scandal. This is a, you know, a campaign finance scandal and a transparency scandal. And, you know, I think that this seems like... If this brings him down, rather but than Russia, it'll be amazing. can I ask you something? Who's, who's going to impeach him? Republicans? Right. I mean, Paul Ryan right. said today... Fair enough. Paul Ryan but, said this week that the Stormy Daniels thing 
was not on his radar. Right. Well, then his radar is broken. Uh, no, we know that because it's on everybody else's radar. In a former life, I was a campaign finance lawyer. God help me. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter because you have a, a FEC that is split Democrat and Republican with an independent investigative unit that doesn't bow to either side politically because it's got the protection of a 50-50 split on the FEC. They begin investigating things. If your lawyer is get trading in his home equity to pay someone $130,000 to keep them silent to benefit your campaign, I don't care what he says. This was a, a benefit, an in-kind contribution, uh, an out-of-pocket contribution to benefit Donald Trump's campaign. There are huge potential legal violations for this that, I mean, go back to the John Edwards situation when people were doing it from him saying, let's not tell him we're doing this. He still got indicted for it. Yeah, but John Edwards was held accountable, though. Like, right. Donald but Trump he, never is. I'm with Anna. They don't give a shit. But this Which is, is weird coming from the through an party FD of family sector. values. I'll tell you what, me, you are one of the few uh, evangelicals, Christian leaders, who are actually holding Donald Trump accountable. Yes. I am apoplectic yes. at yes. the Christian right saying he gets mulligans. I am. For yeah. having one affair, two affairs, you know. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's, it's <laughs> the, well, the hypocrisy. Can you imagine just for a moment if it had been Barack Obama oh, that would have done that? But Barack Obama wouldn't have done it. I mean, even no. as a Republican. Right. And, and by the way, that. if he did it, Michelle Obama would have yes. killed him. But one, of, <laughs> but one of the reasons I remember giving up why we couldn't vote for Hillary was because, can you imagine the scandals? Can you imagine the fatigue we'd have with the scandals with Hillary? Yes. I mean, remember, I mean, Donald Trump showed up you, to a debate schlepping all of, you know, I, all of the people who had accused Bill Clinton. If we put his accusers, we're going to need a stadium. <laughs> you, you could be... You could be running a wet t-shirt contest <laughs> in a parking lot in Panama City, and if Trump showed up, it would lower the tone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and they let him get away. They don't, it doesn't seem to bother them, the, the Christian right, the you family know, values it, people, as, they just let it go. As one of the people on the Christian right, I've got to say, and, and this is heartfelt, that You're he's pretty got cool, a lot Larry. of pastors who surround him who are in a transactional relationship with him, who if they really care about him, they would, if they believe their faith, tell him to repent, and they're not, because they're in a transactional relationship, and one day they will be held accountable by a very angry God. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Just want to mention one more thing. West Virginia. Yeah. The teacher strike. Right on. They won one. Yes. And... You're uh, looking at me when you say this. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the ultimate red state, Mr. Red State. Yeah. It's trending that way. Right. And this was a union thing, and, and I think people saw teachers, and, you know, they saw them, like, literally bringing bag lunches to the students who very often don't get a meal except when they go to school. So if the schools are closed, the kids don't eat. And, you know, I, I just kept thinking, the reason why the state is so strapped for cash, one, trickle-down economics, they tried that bullshit, and two, because Trump lied, he didn't bring coal back. Right. Because you can't bring coal back. And so I, I just wonder when those people are going to catch up to it. Uh, forget about the, the moral dimension of it. Just what about the well, economic dimension of I, it? I think that... So I think it is a win for liberals, but I think... There's a real opportunity there for it to be an even bigger win on a grander scale when it comes to the American left if they see it for the opportunity that it is because of everything you just said, because they got their pay raise in West Virginia, but their leadership's going to pay for it by slashing funding from other places like maybe Medicaid or community colleges. Pretty shitty way to go about it. If the Democrats realize they can come in here and yes. tell these people 
We are the party of labor. If they go to Arizona, Kentucky, Oklahoma, where they're about to strike, Democrats should win West Virginia four to one if they had any. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I think that what we saw in West Virginia and what we saw today in Florida with the gun law that was finally passed in Florida after three mass shootings in the last three in the last two years, what we saw is a victory for activism. One was for the teachers in West Virginia and for the students of Parkland that demanded action and said, we're not going to take this crap anymore from the Florida legislature and the leaders, and they got results today. Good for them. Thank you, panel. Time for new rules. Got to move the show along. I got to Vegas. All right, new rules. Since The Shape of Water just won the Oscar for Best Picture, Hollywood has to do what it does best, beat it to death with sequels. Beautiful stories about lonely people banging animals. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal in Brokeback Mountain Lion. <laughs> Woody Allen in Take the Bunny and Run. <laughs> and John Voight in Midnight Cow. <laughs> it's too sensitive for that. Neural, if you're driving with something that could poke through my windshield and kill me, Tying a hanky on it doesn't make it okay. (laughs) New rule, the Honest to Pause website has to explain, if your article is all about how this kitten and this baby owl are best friends, how come the look on both their faces says, if you were a little smaller, I'd eat you? (laughs) New rule, people turning into werewolves have to stop staring at their hands. They're like, am I turning into a werewolf? I I feel like I'm turning into a werewolf, but I'd better check my... Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yep, werewolf. They're like people here in L.A. in the rain. They check the TV. See, I knew. Rain. (laughs) Nurul, I don't want to try your home-brewed beer. Keep your carbonated bong water. There's a term for guys who make booze where they live. Inmates. (laughs) Inmates. <laughs> and finally, new role. It's time to admit President Trump has actually accomplished one good thing. He's ruined the phrase thoughts and prayers forever. <laughs> of course, the problem with thoughts and prayers has always been that thoughts are the opposite of prayers. One is from... <laughs> One is from the Enlightenment, and one is from the Exorcist. But it wasn't until Trump tweeted his thoughts and prayers after the Parkland shooting, and one of the survivors tweeted back, I don't want your condolences, you fucking piece of shit. Prayers won't fix this. That prayer officially became an eye roll. Yes, America's finally getting it. Prayer doesn't work, because if it did, every drug test would come back clean, and there'd be... And there'd be no need for the morning after pill. (laughs) But it's more than just prayer. Thanks to Trump, piety itself has ceased to be a third rail in American politics. How could it anymore when the world's least godly man has been so fully embraced by our most religious people, the evangelicals? Oh, they love them some Donald Trump, a man who's been to church four times in his whole life, three of them to get married. The only time he touches a Bible is for depositions. 
<laughs> and if he ever went to confession, they'd have to take a meal break. <laughs> He's into golden showers, not the golden rule. It's, it's true. He does not tweet people the way he wants to be tweeted. <laughs> so when Trump got his mulligan from the values voters, that's when we knew religion had jumped the shark, and it was finally safe to say, none for me, thanks. I had bullshit for lunch. <laughs> Look at some of these recent examples. Billy Graham. My entire life, I've watched presidents from both parties suck up to this blowhard like he was the American Gandhi. But when he died last month, it got covered like Olympic curling. Local storyteller dead at 99. Omarosa last week openly mocked Mike Pence for believing Jesus tells him to say things. Mocked by Omarosa? It's like getting dunked on by Kevin Hart. <laughs> Even Oprah was widely made fun of when she said, God, if you think I'm supposed to run for president, you gotta tell me, and it has to be so clear that not even I can miss it. And a lot of America said, oh, please, not the I have to check with my imaginary friend excuse, which was bad enough when people like Scott Walker said, I am certain this is God's plan for me, something God also told Rick Perry, Rick Santorum, Ben Carson, Michelle Bachman, Herman Cain, Sarah Palin. God is a nice guy, but he doesn't follow politics. <laughs> but folks, this is progress. I used to be a lonely pioneer here, calling religious thinking a neurological disorder, but now it's like anal. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> And in that, there is a lesson for the Democrats. Things that used to be third rails don't have to be third rails forever. Republicans get that. For 50 years, their fundamental principles were law enforcement good, Russia bad. And then it was Freaky Friday. <laughs> 20 years ago, the idea of arming teachers was universally derided. But now, while we point and laugh, they're doing it! Democrats, on the other hand, begin every gun conversation with, I support the Second Amendment. Because <laughs> they fear this is one of those third rails that can never be touched. Even shooting victims. The minute they wake up from their coma, their first words are, I still support the Second Amendment. Now, would it be a hard slog to change the public's mind on guns? Of course. But a hard slog never phases conservatives. Ronald Reagan used to be a joke. Now he's an airport. The Second Amendment is just words humans made up at a certain moment in history when they felt right. It's an amendment, not a commandment. And we could make up... <laughs> and we could make up new words again. Instead of the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, we could change it to the right of the people to apply for the privilege of possessing non-military-style weaponry as long as they're not batshit crazy shall not be infringed. <laughs> Sorry, Trump, no guns for you. All right, that's our show. I'll be at the Mirage this weekend.
And at the Taft in Cincinnati on May 5th, and at the Hard Rock in Cleveland May 6th, I want to thank Eric Erickson, Anna Navarro, Trey Crowder, Barry Weiss, and Kathy Griffin. Thank you, folks. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.